Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the March 31st episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's the last day of March as we head into uh, April. Be careful tomorrow. It's April Fool's Day, and I'm sure someone's going to try to get you, so watch out. Uh, Hey, I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well. I am uh, am glad to hear that. I am doing... (laughs) A little bit there, a little not response there. That's okay. I'm doing well. Sounds like you've got a little bit of a cold there, buddy. Battling through it. Okay, well, look at you. Other side of it now. Okay, all right, good deal. All right, well, as you've been sick, I'm sure you've gotten to sit around and watch a lot of television, right? Um, That's kind of a thing. And and baseball's opening day was yesterday. yesterday? Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is Major League Baseball, for those that don't know. Uh, Opening day of the regular season was yesterday, so spring training is over and uh, and it's real baseball now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a new there's a new thing going on in the MLB this year, which is that there is a pitch timer, right? So pitch clock, yeah. pitch clock. So they have to pitch the ball within a certain period of time, right? 18 seconds, I think. It's 18, oh, no, 15 seconds. 15 seconds. So they can't just chill out, hang out, you know, throw the bag around you know, whatever it is that they do, they've got to get on it. Um, and so you were able to watch some of that, some of that action. Yeah. What do you think of this thing? What do you think of this new, this new pitch, pitch clock? Uh, I think it's personally, I know this is going to be a controversial topic for, for a while. Well, there's a lot of probably baseball purists that are not happy but about sh- the pitch clock. Opening day 2022, their average games were three minutes and 11 seconds. The average game length. Average game length was how long? Three hours and eleven minutes. Three hours and eleven minutes. Okay. And now it's two hours and 20, 45 minutes. Is okay. So so what is that? Like twenty minutes. Okay. Minutes. All like right. Thirty minutes. Half an hour. Yeah. Um. But I was listening to the Mariners game last night, and that game lasted a total of two hours and fourteen minutes. So okay. It was well below the average. Yeah. Um. But what, what was nice is when you listen to you know radio, uh, baseball, you, you you see a pitch. They say they the pitch went out and it's a strike, and then you listen to them talk about this guy's whole entire life story in between the time it took for that one pitch to get back to the uh, pitcher and then the next pitch to get delivered. It takes forever for everything to go. Um, and with this new pitch clock, it's everything's just rapid fire. It's just going and going. I mean, an inning lasts maybe 10, 15 minutes um, for top and bottom as opposed to an hour as, uh, that it could be. Um, they also allowed if a runner is on the bag, so if there's a guy on first base, you get yep. an extra five seconds. Okay. Um, to to deliver the pitch, but okay, uh, you have to be in the box in eight seconds, uh, in order to, in order for not get an automatic strike, and if the pitcher doesn't deliver it in the huh. fifteen seconds, they get an automatic ball. Okay. So you're just kind of speeding up the game, which obviously every baseball fan, whether you like this new rule or not, knows that baseball lasts an extremely long time. Uh, every game is a commitment if you want to watch it. Uh, and obviously, they knew they needed to change something. It started in the minor leagues. Uh, we were talking about it on the podcast quite a bit uh, over over the summer. Um, and now we finally see it implemented in a regular season game. Um, and honestly, I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a lot more fun to watch the game and have to be uh, tuned into it because the way baseball had been, you could go and you know hang out for an hour and come back, and you might be in the same inning that you were already in. Now you kind of have to watch every single pitch and experience it, and you can feel like you're in it. You're not feeling like there's big gaps in between that, 
which I think is something that baseball's been lacking. And then I did a poll, which you guys can respond on, uh, that's uh, in a comment to Fox Sports MLB, uh, the average time for opening day, and it has like an image of the average. Uh, and then I did a poll, which yeah. has it improved the game. And okay. do people agree or not? All right, what do people think? 55% of the... Fifty-five percent of the two thousand people, somewhat people that have voted, agree that it is better. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Fifty-five percent disagree. But yeah. you know, it's gonna take time for them to you know fully appreciate uh, the good that it's doing for the league. Um, but I think it's gonna you know improve a lot. I think it's gonna make MLB a, um, something that's more universally watched. Plus, if you live you know in the Easter time zone, the games start up pretty late and you have to stay up pretty late to watch the end of them now you don't just stay up quite as long so there's a lot of bonuses to it um i think if you really look at it i think also you know pitchers won't maybe are able to play a little bit longer now because it does they're not throwing so many pitches at the same time they're throwing them they're throwing the same amount of pitches but they're not in one sitting and things are moving along so they don't have to play uh quite as long batters have to be more aware uh, so you might be able to see a little bit more of that but the only thing I don't like in all the new rules is the weird new uh, shift. You're not allowed to have uh, anyone in the infield play, have cleats in the grass, I think it is. Huh, so you have to okay. keep them all in the infield. Okay. And you can't have uh, the this, um, I believe it's, you have to keep two guys on each side of uh, second base. So you can't have three guys in one area and one guy over at fourth to guard it, or third base to guard it. So you have to have two guys uh, in between the second and third and two guys at the other spot. So they, they've kind of changed a little bit, a few of the rules to keep everything um, kind of ch- not, a, they're trying, what they said is they're trying to encourage athleticism and showcase the ability of the players to get out and catch the ball. Yeah. Um, and that's what they're trying to do. But overall, I think this is a big improvement and I think over time we'll see a little more of that, but I enjoyed opening day way more than I have in a very long time. Okay. Because I think the games had a lot more energy okay. to them. Okay, awesome. All right, let's jump over to the NBA. We're going to go do three sports. So we hit MLB. Next up, we're going to hit the NBA, and then we're going to wrap up with the NFL. Is that all right? Sounds great. Okay, so we are on the NBA now. We've got uh, the uh, the playoffs coming up. The play-in tourney is uh, right before that, right? Yep. So uh, we're trying to figure out who's going to get into that play-in. Is that correct? So yeah. the bubble teams, the teams the that are kind of right there on the edge. So we've got the Wizards and we've got the Bulls, and they're competing for the same slot. Is that right? Yeah, the Wizards are sitting at 11, and the Bulls are sitting at 10. Okay, so they're they're neck and neck there. What's going to happen here? Who's getting in? Yeah, I was watching a little of the games to try to you know answer this question, and the the Bulls, I think they have kind of, like the Bulls when they're playing at a you know all together as a team and playing at a very productive level, which we saw in the first time the Lakers met. Uh, but at the second time, and I'm talking about the most recent time that they, these two teams have met because they played each other over the last like three ga- days, two times. So the first time that they played, they actually played way better defense, complementing offense, and hung in with the Lakers, you know, fought with them a little bit, um, and, and made it a good game. And I think a lot of that had to do with the very feisty nature of this Bulls team, Patrick Beverly leading that charge, in my opinion. And everyone else kind of following suit a little bit there. But I think overall, this this team is a very scrappy team, the way that they play. Uh, and I think that kind of hindered the Lakers a little bit. But on the other side of that, they actually were able to hit down a lot of threes. Uh, everyone was shooting really well. And they didn't start out the game with a huge dry spell, such as they did in the second time they played the Lakers, where no one was able to hit down any shots. They just put themselves in a very deep hole, and the Lakers just dominated the offensive glass. 
got as many second chance points as they wanted to, that even when the Bulls started to play a little bit better and the defense started to rise up to the occasion a little bit, it was too little too late. And at that point, they really couldn't do anything uh, to stop the Lakers from, you know, running all over them a little bit. Um, but if you look at the the Wizards, and, and I'm not talking about the Spurs game and the Raptors game, or the two games I watched. And in the Spurs game, we all know that the Spurs are not in playoff contention, and they only won like 50 games this season. So they're not a great team. However, during that game, the Wizards still struggled with stopping the offense of the Spurs, and the Spurs were still able to keep it close all the way up to the third quarter and even into the third quarter, where even though the Wizards had really good offensive uh, gameplay and just dominated in that area, were knocking down everything that you would want and had a really good inside physical presence, their defense was lacking. And the Spurs pretty much did the... Uh, the the same to them as they were as they were doing as far as offense is concerned and they were just knocked out everything um and because of that the game was really close until they would turn on the fourth quarter and and pull away and the raptors game the same stuff presented itself the only difference was the raptors are a much better team defensively and offensively than the spurs are so the inability of the wizards to play defense um not the full time, but for a good chunk of it, uh, hurt their ability to stay with the the Raptors because even though they had a decent offense going and they were playing pretty good on that on that front, their defense just wasn't was nowhere close to them. And because of that, the Raptors were able to knock down as many threes that they want and just had a field day with them and ended up dominating them. Uh, and then you know the Celtics ended up losing to them as well. Uh, but they are two games back behind the Spurs or the behind the the Bulls at this point. They're playing right now. The Magic are losing to that by 10 points. And then the Bulls are winning by 8. So at this point, I, there's only five games left, I believe, in the entire okay. season for each team. Okay. So there's not a whole lot of time to climb back. Like I said, uh, the the Bulls hold a two-game uh, or up, up two games. So they'd have to drop a couple. Ty doesn't look like they'll drop it. Um, but if I had to guess, as of right now, um, based off of these T's performances, like I said, I'll watch the Magic and uh, the Magic game and the the Bulls and kind of keep an eye on this. But as of where I sit right now, I have to imagine the Bulls take that spot because I think defensively and what this team can be has a higher ceiling than what the Wizards are at right now. And obviously, it's a really bad time for them because in the last few games that I watched, their best guys were injured. So that's kind of going to hinder you a little bit from being able to play at the top-notch ability that you have. But, you know, that's that's also not – you can't use that excuse. You're still going to end up losing games. You're still going to end up winning games. So, in my opinion, as it sits right now, uh, with a, a, as few games that we have left uh, and with the different things that we see from these two teams and where we're at right now, I'd have to say the Bulls, you know, take that 10th spot to round out the playing tournament. And then uh, before the playing tournament begins, we'll finish out that list of playing teams. Yeah, Okay. All right, now let's uh, let's jump over to the NFL to wrap things up. We have the NFL draft upcoming here shortly. What? How many how many weeks out are we? A week? Two weeks? Uh, no, it's at the end of uh, April. End of April this time. Twenty like seventh. Okay. All right. So so the draft's coming up. Uh, Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of the University of Florida, is in the talk. 
uh, as the potential number one overall. I'm not sure if the team, like it's the Panthers, right? They made some. Yeah, the Panthers. Uh, so they're probably looking for a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You'd think. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Is is this Anthony Richardson? Is he going to be a Panther? From what all the mock drafts are saying, no. Uh, they're saying C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young is going to be number one. Now, obviously, these quarterbacks, um, during the days of uh, a college, played what most people would say better than Anthony Richardson played, uh, just based off of fundamentals, you know, accuracy and stuff like that. But, but overall, I think, yeah, you could go with Bryce Young and you could play with a more safe option. He's going to get you to victory. He's going to play pretty well. He knows what he's doing. He played in the Alabama offense. Nick Saban coaches these guys to play like NFL teams. We talked about this there. The, the Alabama French uh, franchise, Alabama team uh, is really good consistently every single year. CJ Stroud had a good season for himself over the last couple of years, but Anthony Richardson has something that those guys don't have, which is a cannon attached to his arm. I mean, the dude can throw it, you know, fifty yards with a flick of the wrist. He, he has no problem with distance. He has no problem with speed of the pocket. He has no problem with dodgy defenders, as that highlight reel play where. The guy was rushing out of it, pump faked, just spun out of it, and ran for a touchdown. So all that stuff is fine. There's a little bit of issue with, you know, like accuracy, I think is what people are complaining about and why they don't think he could go, you know, number one or number two. But accuracy is something you could work on. Like you could just do a few drills to work on that and to hone that, hone that in. But when you have a guy that can, you know, launch it uh, from anywhere and then, you know, you know, deep ball it for yourself and have success there uh, and you, you know, can play – um, with that running mentality and is strong enough and big enough to absorb a lot of contact and smart enough to know how to dodge defenders, you get into a situation where you put him somewhere, I, I mean, somewhere between, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson type thing because of that, of what type of quarterbacks are coming out nowadays. And I think he's got more accuracy um, than Josh Allen does. I think he's not going to be the type of quarterbacks that try to mow you over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to have a lot more longevity. Um, due to that, but I think he also has some of the stuff that Lamar Jackson has because we've seen Lamar Jackson's deep ball, and when he has a wide receiver to finally play with, I think he's going to have a lot of success there as well. But with Anthony Richardson, I think you know, I think yeah, you could go with Bryce Young, uh, who you know, like I said, it, you know, he's coming from Alabama, so he knows what he's doing. He played a lot of good competitive teams. He's played in Alabama. He's played for Nick Saban, who has a very uh, high standard of his players. The dude has good character. The dude knows like he knows how to prepare. Uh, from start to finish, he said. Uh, Nick Saban said at times Bryce Young knew, you know, the uh, the other team as well as any of the coaching staff did. So he has all of that stuff, the skills, the smarts, and everything like that. The height is a little bit of a concern for people, but I think if you have a guy that could, you know, do what Anthony Richardson's done at not only the the pro day, um, but the combine, uh, being one of the best overall quarterbacks uh, in that ever, um, as far as speed, you know, broad jump and all that stuff. Uh, the intangibles, I think, are there, and he's higher in that in that form. But the some of the different, you know, pinpoint accuracy and things like that are going to be something that's going to struggle with, which I'm glad about, because then there's a possibility he slides to Seattle, and Seattle can morph and shape him into who they want yeah. him to be. But I just think it's a risk for Carolina to go with one of the guys that um, the successful dogs, because we've seen it so many times where guys are like, "This is the guy we want to do. This is the lock. This is the guy we want." And then they go after him, and he has less success than a guy like Josh Allen, who was picked very late, or Tom Brady, who was p- picked very late. 
and took time to develop and mature. But then you look at where they became. They became the top guy. Like Josh Allen's one of the top guys in the NFL right now, and everyone wants his services. And if he became available, there'd be a bidding war for him. So I think you got to kind of look past, you know, past that and look for like the things that they do really well. Now, if he had an issue with, you know, every single one of his passes were the most inaccurate passes of all time. Uh, and he just, you couldn't complete a pass. He had like thousand interceptions and zero touchdowns, things like that. Things that aren't uh, fixable. Then you have a problem with drafting it. But when he has such good uh, intangibles and some struggles, I think, you know, there's, you got to look at him. So I would think, and I would want, if I was the Carolina fans, I would want them to take a risk on Anthony Richardson because I think the payout is going to be a lot higher uh, than people expect or think. Now, a lot of people think that he won't fall outside of 10. So people put him as high as five, which is where Seattle sits. So I want them to get him. But I think that's kind of where everything looks like and is shaking out to be. But I think, like I said, I think this guy deserves a little more credit than he's been given. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We don't have a whole lot of time to... To wait until that goes on. So, okay. Very good. So, we got some baseball this weekend. We got some basketball this weekend. Not bad. Not bad. It should be fun. All right. Let's do it. All right, listeners. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. We appreciate you. We'll talk uh, talk soon. See See you. God bless.